0: Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or anything that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. This week's topic, I think, is fascinating, cancer's favorite food. Well, what on earth does that mean? Cancer actually eats? Well, yeah, and there is something you eat, actually a non-food, that we really consider like miracle grow fertilizer for cancer cells. It's called sugar. There is absolutely no daily requirement for sugar. If you never ate sugar again, the body would not suffer. In fact, when they say you need sugar for energy, that is metabolically absolutely wrong. Your body makes all the sugar it needs in the form of glucose. You never, ever need to eat table sugar again. If you even have an ounce of body fat or if you eat vegetables, you are able to make as much body glucose as you need. You know, I think we got kind of confused when we called it blood sugar rather than glucose. Not the same thing. Sugar or rather sucrose is polished, highly processed from beets or sugar cane. Glucose is what your cells use for energy and your body is good at making an unlimited supply of that. But sugar, can it possibly be that bad for us when it tastes so good and it is so hard to say no to? It is bad, really bad. It is more addictive than cocaine or heroin. There is so much study going on this now, but, but that's another show. And it also causes advanced aging. So again, that's another show. But in reality, in this day and age, it's everywhere. How can it be that bad for us? If it were that bad, how could it be allowed to be everywhere without a warning label? Heck, they even put it in baby formula. Historically, though, in America... 300 years ago, we ate about four pounds of sugar per year. In pioneer days, they actually had a sugar locker to keep it safe. And yes, they did lock it up because it's always been addictive. Nowadays, on average, people consume, I don't know, anywhere between 150 and 180 pounds of sugar every year. Perhaps that's the reason we have seen such an increased rate of cancer. You know, I want you to start looking at sugar like we look at cigarettes. Sugar is the new smoking. There is so much research going on with the metabolism of cancer and sugar right now. It's absolutely astounding. And in this show, I'm going to tell you about the history of the research that goes way back to Nazi Germany. I found this so fascinated that I can hardly wait to tell you about it. Then, after that, I'm gonna tell you about what's going on in research today, and finally, what you can do to starve out cancer cells. Because the good news is, according to a journal published in Nutrition and Metabolism, when you cut off the supply of cancer's favorite food, sugar, sugar, the body actually appears to suppress tumor growth. So what is the story about the Nazis and cancer research? Well, anybody who has studied cancer knows about the Warburg effect. The Warburg effect was discovered by Otto Warburg, considered a genius, son of a Jewish physicist, and he himself was a physiologist, a medical doctor, and a Nobel laureate in 1931. He was also nominated for this award 47 more times over his lifetime that ended just in 1970. He was actually a friend of Albert Einstein, who encouraged him to pursue pure science after World War I. In 1920, the Rockefellers helped to fund a huge, turned out to be kind of a controversial research facility called Kaiser Wilhelm Society in Germany. Warburg did most of his research at this facility starting in the 30s, and then later, as the Nazis came into par into power, most of his German scientist friends fled Germany. Warburg stayed. But even though Warburg was Jewish, he stayed to do his research in his well-funded facility in Nazi Germany. And Hitler backed him thoroughly. We know Nazis did a lot of experiments, many atrocities on humans during the war. Hitler had an extreme fascination on improving human health and improving the Aryan, the human race at all costs. A lot of his research on cancer was because, according to historians, he lost his own mother to breast cancer, and it was a campaign to eradicate cancer under the Nazi regime. This is a great book on this research. It's called Ravenous by Sam Apple. He uncovers so much conflicting information, like Warburg staying in Nazi Germany, even though he was a Jewish homosexual living openly with his partner. Warburg really was all that the Nazis wanted to eliminate. Yet, Hitler kept him in Germany, even protected him, because Hitler was aware of the rising incidence of cancer and also because of his mother. So he protected Warburg in the hope he could cure it. I think that's fascinating. Otto Warburg, an unquestioned genius, was the first to state that cancer is a metabolic disease. He discovered that cancer cells don't act the same as healthy cells. They actually have a different metabolism than healthy cells. They rewire Cellular metabolism to promote the growth, survival, proliferation, and long term maintenance. They increase glucose uptake. Then they ferment this glucose to lactate in an anaerobic state. Okay, I know it gets a little geeky and biochemical, and I can get all caught up in the details because I just love it, but just know. This is critical in the whole scenario, and the most cutting-edge research now is refocusing now on that, because genetics have been found to only play a minor role. Only 5 to 10% of cancer and other diseases are being found to be genetic. Blaming things on your genes is oh-so-90s, but bottom line, cancer really does love sugar cancer cells are primarily sugar feeders and uptake of glucose is 10 to 12 times the rate of healthy cells and they also suppress the immune system you know pet scans those are based on Warburg's work the positron emission tomography you know they follow up cancer patients to see if the cancer is spread you know pet scans inject sugar and they watch where the sugar travels to tumors light up like a beacon. They suck up that sugar so they can grow. So we're finding Warburg's mid-century work holds the secret to why cancer has become so common in the modern world. And how can we use this information to reverse the trend? And of course, you're going to know what I'm going to say. It starts with your diet. You knew I had to say that. Now we know Obesity and metabolic syndrome are strongly associated with cancer, and these metabolic problems share a common mechanism, and we're looking at it closely. So obesity, metabolic syndrome, syndrome X, cardiometabolic syndrome, whatever you want to call it, it's correlated to excess waste around the middle. Cholesterol goes up, triglycerides go up, blood sugar goes up, blood pressure goes up, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, polycystic ovarian disease, dementia. They all involve insulin resistance. Is it a health field with growing players in this whack-a-mole of alphabet of diseases? What's the common element? Excess sugar intake, specifically glucose or I'm sorry, fructose, fructose, like fruit sugar. You know, you see, when processed sugar is digested and metabolized, it breaks down into two compounds, glucose, blood sugar, and fructose. We commonly think of that as fruit sugar. And this fructose has emerged as the driving force in developing obesity and metabolic syndrome. You know, if you follow the biochemistry... Fructose in sugar is the mechanism to explain why obesity and metabolic syndrome are linked with cancer. It's the fructose part of the sugar that promotes the Warburg effect and may encourage cancer, oxidative stress, cell proliferation. It may also encourage cancer by suppressing fat breakdown and inducing causing oncogene expression cancer genes turning on we know obesity and metabolic syndrome are really associated with so many different kinds of cancer but the question remains is there a common mechanism you got it it's the same mechanism that otto warburg described that cancer cells way back in 1924 same unique metabolism associated with metabolic syndrome Further fuel against fructose, there was a review, lots of research that pulled together, and it was a review of this research on fructose. And it implicates increased cellular inflammation and increased cortisol. New mechanism, how sugar induces visceral adiposity. That's the weight gain around the waist. Fructose coming from sugar we know excess refined carbs lead to insulin resistance and that causes obesity. But we couldn't figure out why that fat was just stored around the waistline. What's going on there? Well, while insulin is a fat storage hormone, we just couldn't figure out why it was sticking around the waist. So there's a hypothesis that involves fructose. Seems fructose leads to inflammation in cells then cortisol is released in order to cut down the inflammation. Unfortunately, that increase in cortisol leads to increased fat storage in the liver, fatty liver disease. So in essence, fructose-induced inflammatory cortisol response is kind of like thin on the outside, fat on the inside. That is, you know, actually it... It's a non-technical thing that we refer to as TOFI, thin on the out, fat on the in. So you can be thin, but have visceral fat. Not as common, but if you're eating sugar, you are at risk. More research, there was just a a good study that came out of Australia that found that people who drank sugary soft drinks had an increased risk of developing several obesity-related cancers, regardless of the waist size. You know, so even if you're a normal weight and you're drinking sugary pops or drinks, there were an increase of 11 different kinds of cancers, including kidney, colorectal, esophagus, uh, pancreas, liver, gallbladder. The more soft drinks they consumed the higher the risk of cancer. You know, surprisingly, it wasn't the case for those who drank the diet drinks with the artificial sweeteners. Not that I am ever going to recommend artificial sweeteners because they, they're their own demons. But anyway, study says that sugary soft drinks cause a rapid rise in insulin. And that may be because higher insulin levels increase insulin. That increases the growth factor for cancer cells. So it's back to that insulin again. So the Australian study recommended limiting your intake to sugar. I say avoid and definitely keep it out of your kitchen so you're not tempted. Instead of soft drinks, the study actually suggests drink water. Naturally flavored waters or seltzer waters. I personally like club soda with a splash of lemon. Unsweetened water or unsweetened tea, coffee, bone broth sweetened with spices. I love it with cinnamon or cayenne pepper nice and spicy. Uh, No more than four ounces of fruit juice a day. Fruit juice has the fructose, okay? But I may make an exception with pomegranate juice, but no more than four ounces. Also avoid energy drinks, specialty drinks. Read the ingredients. So you say, what should I eat? You know, in a nutshell, we call it jerf. Just eat real food, And same thing as I always say, a lot of vegetables, fruit, a few fruits. I use a four to one ratio, veggies to fruit, so you keep that sugar down. People that eat the most fruits and vegetables can cut the cancer rates in half than those people who eat the least. You know, we've got garlics and leeks and scallions on top, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, on and on. These phytochemicals that are in these plants... 25,000 of them, it's what makes them powerful. You know, then you've got the organic berries and apples and, you know, all these good things and the spices, the turmeric, the garlic, chili pepper, thyme, basil, oregano, rosemary. These amazing phytochemicals, I mean, they go way beyond antioxidants, vitamins, minerals. These phytochemicals are powerful. And you need good, healthy fats. Avoiding the omega-6, those highly processed, cheap ones that food manufacturers love. Soybean oil, safflower oil, corn oil, cottonseed. Get rid of them. Instead, a lot of good omega-3 fats found in wild fish, grass-finished animals, free-roam range, cage-free chicken and eggs, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, flax. We love that. Extra virgin olive oil. Clean protein, but not too much. A few gluten-free grains, but not too much. It's what I call the Ford foundational diet. You know, there's some interesting research on metformin or the herbal alternative berberine that is just absolutely profound uh, with reducing cancer risk, increased survival, Uh, possibility for increasing longevity because it expands the telomeres it improves the body's response to insulin berberine it's an extract from golden seal in itself has been studied to inhibit um, cell proliferation regulating cell autophagy much like the intermittent fasting I talked about a couple weeks ago berberine fantastic anti-aging so in a recap here What's essential to prevent cancer? Number one, kick the sugar out. You know, it's the demon. Yeah, got to get rid of it. Number two, eat a super healthy diet. Well, the one I outlined here, you got it. Number three, maintain a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing 10% is going to help. You know, so if you're 250 pounds, 10%, 25 pounds, phenomenal. If you're 200 pounds, 20 pounds, Phenomenal. You're going to be fantastic. Stay physically active. Number four, aim for about 150 minutes a week. Get moving. Put on those shoes and walk. Number five, minimize stress. Do stress reducing and mindfulness every day. Kick out the aggravation. Number six, avoid toxins. Whole show can be done on that. And number seven, be around people you enjoy. Nothing like that community. We're finding more and more about that. We're learning from the Blue Zones. So sugar is the most abundant toxin in your pantry today. By getting rid of sugar, you are taking a huge step toward feeling and being healthier. As always, if you want to listen again, I post this on my website, debford.com, or any place that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a naturally sweet and delightful day.